Lord, we thank you for gifts. They remind us, of course, of the greatest gift that's been given to us in the birth of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to come here today and to pause and to reflect upon the very essence of Christmas. That we are people of a promise, a promise made to the ancients many, many centuries ago who said there would come a saviour to Bethlehem. The saviour who would be great, a saviour who would be king, a saviour who would sit on King David's throne, a saviour who would rule over the descendants of Jacob, a ruler who would lead for all eternity. And so God, as we stop, we celebrate your plan, the vulnerability of a little child coming into your world, that it might be embraced with its innocence and naivety. And yet, like all of us, have faith, and that faith be little will grow within us, just as we see Christ grow in his story to us. And so, Lord, we open our hearts today, our hearts to you, our hearts to others around us, as we listen once again and celebrate your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to invite um, Pastor Ben to come up and um, read to us that well-known story, that narrative of the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary, and they found Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Thank you, Ben. The shepherd, the shepherd has been born. The baby shepherd, the tiny shepherd, the one who is yet to capture us because the fullness of his ministry is yet to be developed. And yet we are told that we were to expect this Messiah, this Christ child who would come. And with peace and with love, the greatest power of all, he would change the world in which we live. And so the God of history, the God who gave us Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God who gave us Moses, the God who gave us all the stories of the patriarchs, King David, Solomon, this same God is still active within history. And for the Jews, there had been a long period of time of just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And they were waiting upon the God who was and did, the God of their history, the God who had taken them on a journey and brought them to this place, but now the heavens were silent, as if the prophets had gone stagnant, as if God himself had left them and abandoned them. Would the God who was and did give us all these stories and amazing history, would he become the God who is and does, not just the God who was and did? And so we've just heard from this nativity scene, uh, about this nativity scene as we call it. And uh, this, this, this shepherd has been born to us, one who will take us and arrest us, one who will grab us, one who will comfort us, one who will strike us when we're naughty. We know that's politically incorrect these days, but we're sheep. <laughs> so for Mary and Joseph, this had been an accumulation, an accumulation of understanding. Mary had been surprised when an angel came and told her that her child would be great. Her child would be great amongst the nation of Israel. Her child would be great amongst the Gentiles. And her child would rule for all eternity. Then her fiancé, Joseph, is told the same sort of things. And then we find that her cousin, Elizabeth, and, and her husband, Zechariah, are told the same things. And this story builds and builds and builds, and then her child is born in Bethlehem. And the shepherds come and say, we just had a whole lot of angels come out of nowhere and tell us that we had to come and visit the stable. And then the wise men came from the east, people of a different nation, people of a different language. They too came to remind Mary and Joseph that this child is a child for the whole world, not just a child for the Jews. And they left gifts and they worshipped him there. And so we continue, we continue this story because even though there's been a huge accumulation of affirmation for this child, the story is not over yet. Because on the eighth day, on the eighth day, something else happened quite miraculous. For over a thousand years, thousands of babies had been taken to the temple to be dedicated, as was the tradition. Eight days after the child is born, you take your child to be your boy to be circumcised, and there his name is given to him, and he's prayed for. 
But on that particular day, as Mary and Joseph took their little baby into the temple, there was a stirring. Thousands of babies have come through these doorways, and yet there was an elderly man and an elderly woman there, Simeon and Anna. And Simeon was on literally his last legs. He was close to death. And he saw this child. And we can only wonder what was going on, wouldn't we? As, as maybe Simeon had a shepherd's crook himself, just to hold himself up, as he stood in the doorway, leaning there, looking. Hey, looking at all these babies. Because he had been told that he would see the redemption of Israel. He had been told that before he passes, he was going to see the Christ child. And so now in his latter years with his poor eyes, he would have looked with greater intent on his bandy legs, looking intently. And then he saw the child, the one he was looking for. And Simeon said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that's us, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. With these limited words, but with the wisdom of age, Simeon spoke directly into the heart of the nations when he said, This child will be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. What Simeon knew is that people are going to say, yes, Jesus is the Christ, or no, Jesus is not the Son of God. And in doing so, there's a revelation of your heart in that decision-making process. And what Simeon identified is that we are driven towards a choice, every person who hears the story of Christ. We're driven towards a choice where we say that this child, Jesus, is truly the Savior, truly the Messiah who was gifted to us. Or he's just a complete fraud. You see, we don't have a choice. We can't sit on the fence. That's why Simeon said 2,000 years ago, in his old age, that this is a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And that's what happens today. Jesus reveals the heart. And then almost in the same breath, he turns to Mary and he says, Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. For Mary who had experienced all the joy, the experience of angelic visitations, the gifts from wise men, the affirmation, Here in this temple, just before this boy is circumcised and dedicated to God, Mary is told that a sword is going to pierce her own heart. And what we know is that 30-odd years on from this occasion, she's going to stand there and see her own son, Jesus, crucified 
on a cross. She is going to be there within earshot of those Romans putting him to death. Indeed, Simeon knows that this child is going to break her heart. But the scriptures tell us that there was also a prophetess, a woman prophet. There was an old prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. So married seven years, husband dies, she's now 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was under pressure. The Romans were ruling Jerusalem. They were looking for a saviour. They were looking for someone who would redeem Jerusalem, somebody who would come and give them victory over those who have held them captive for so long. And here they have the answer, an eight-day-old child. Unusual, isn't it? And yet this old woman, who was probably as much a part of that temple as were the pillars and the windows and the furniture, spoke on behalf of God. Because here she had been for nearly her whole life, praying and fasting and worshipping and never ever leaving the temple. She, her whole being would have been infused with the things of God. And she comes up to those young parents and she tells them that this child, this eight-day-old seven pounds of flesh, give or take a few, I don't know, is going to change the world. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and we agree with that old man, and we agree with that old woman, that indeed this Christ has revealed to us the nature of our hearts. Indeed, we with Mary have sorrowed at the foot of the cross where this child was killed as an adult. And we agree that the history of the world has changed because of this eight-day-old child. So now the future is within the growth of this child. The story, the next 30 years of Jesus' life, is now dependent upon this child growing to maturity. And so it is with each one of us. It's very easy to leave the baby Jesus in the manger at Christmas time. He doesn't threaten us. He doesn't challenge us. He doesn't reveal anything to us about our nature of ourselves. But as we allow this baby Jesus to grow, to grow within us, to maturity, we find that this baby Jesus will change our world completely. So it's not the baby Jesus that we celebrate so much today as the complete person. The whole person who comes to maturity and we invite that same child to be birthed within us to come to maturity, to bring us to a place where we too can understand the mystery and the challenge of God, where we too can understand the biggest story of what God has for all of us. And that's why we're here today, because we know that this child will grow.
and we invite him to grow within us. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. May the grace of God be on us all. Amen. Just going to invite the music team to come and lead us in what will be a final song today. But uh, as they do, I'd like you to turn to one another and say to each other, may the grace of God be upon you today. Will you do that to each other? Those strangers around you?